welcome all again to LawPod. This is episode 29 and we have with us today a very special guest, a person with whom we have dealt with for some time and a person whom I have to say is now a friend and that is the Chief Executive Officer for the South Sydney Rabbitohs, Blake Solly. Welcome Blake. Uh, Lee, thank you very much for having me. Good to speak. As you said, I think we're, we're, we're bonded over both rugby league and our shared childhood on the Central Coast. Well, in fact, we have a lot more than that in common as well. Yes. So we'll go through that shortly. Now, Blake, we've been a sponsor, I think, for South now for a number of years. One thing that you do, Lee, and, and Brighton do is support the game at all levels, and we're, we're very grateful for your support, both of the Rabbitohs and the league in general. All right. Now, about you, Blake, we'll start with you. Now, tell us a little bit about the Blake Solly story. Where did it all begin? Yeah, so I grew up on the Central Coast, New South Wales. I finished my high school at St. Greg's at Campbelltown, so rugby league institution. I was never good enough to make a dent on the field, but was able to study pretty hard and got into law, studied law at UTS, became a lawyer, um, worked at two law firms in Sydney, Sparks and Hunt and & Hunt, and then decided to take a working holiday for two years to the UK and work as a lawyer over there. Two years became 11, I met my wife and um, we had a daughter in the UK and so I worked in the law firm for a while and then moved across uh, into an in-house legal role at the Rugby Football League, Super League, and then did Another couple of years in the legal team then before moving to operation commercial roles and was the GM at Super League before coming out to be the CEO of the Rabbitohs. Well, not an unfamiliar story for me because we do a lot of work, of course, with sporting organisations. And one of the commonalities that I find with respect to administrators is a legal background. From your perspective, how is having a legal background been of assistance to you in the administration of sport? Well, I think it's one of the great things about a law degree and then private practice is it teaches you to problem solve, um, it allows you to look at a series of facts and circumstances and try and come to a resolution that suits as many of the parties involved as you can and often, particularly in sport, you're dealing with really complex environments where there's a number of stakeholders or a number of people affected by a decision and you have to try and be the person in the middle, I think, and come up with the most sensible, rational solution to an issue and use all of that logic that you've learned in um, your law degree and as a lawyer uh, and produce an outcome that everyone can live with and hopefully they can get behind and achieve success with. Well, that's been my observation as well. But you obviously had a passion for sport. Yes. So you become a lawyer, an opportunity arises in England and you grab it. Yes. Any regrets? Uh, no, no, I, I didn't um, really have the appetite or the discipline to be a partner in a firm and I worked in mid-size or, or big firms and I could see that there was a collection of people who were very disciplined and had the appetite and desire to become a partner and I was pretty clearly not one of them. Um, so for me, the opportunity to go in-house and um, particularly in sport was too good to refuse. All right. Well, tell us about Super League. Yeah, Super League was um, a wonderful experience and I started in the in-house team in compliance, which was dealing with players and clubs who breached the rules. And um, I did that for a couple of years. I had um, then some experience in the commercial contractual side of it. The head of legal had two bouts of maternity leave at the time. So she, um, when she came back for the second time, I think the CEO and the chair said that we probably need you to take on some operational and commercial matters here because um, we had some challenges with the clubs and challenges with um, the tax office at the time and I was able to use that law degree to solve some of them and um, developed a really good relationship with the Super League clubs and then in the end when the general manager position became uh, vacant in 14, um, the clubs and, and gang thought I was the right person for it and did two years before coming back to South. So how long in Europe, in England altogether? 11 years. Okay. So yeah, it was a long time, a lot of winters, um, but I, I really enjoyed living there and it was Great for my development. I mean, one of the things about Sydney, it's a beautiful place to live, but you're so isolated. It's a quite insular city, and over there you're in London or Manchester or Leeds, or you're um, six hours from New York, and so I was able to go and study in the States a couple of times and also meet people from the NBA and the NFL. And so from a 
um, learning point of view was invaluable. Any desire to return one day? I'm very... No, not really. Okay. Um, I, uh, as much as I love the culture and I, I love, um, particularly living in the North of England, it's a great place to be for people who are um, the best in the world, but um, I've kind of got used to back living uh, relatively close to the beach and having a swim um, in the morning and I'm not sure I've got another um, European winter in me where it's dark and, um, you know, the sun rises at 9.30 in the morning, it's gone by 3.30, I'm not sure I could do that again. And what prompted the return to Australia? Oh, the opportunity at ours um, was really too good to refuse and my daughter was finishing year four in the UK at the time and my wife had always said, uh, if, we, if you want to go back to Australia, you better be before she gets to high school and it becomes really difficult to change school systems. So both the attractiveness of the, op of the opportunity at ours and also the um, fear that this might be the last chance I get before Francesca starts high school. And that was the role of CEO at ours? That's right. Okay, yeah. so they obviously advertised the role, you applied and yeah. you were interviewed from overseas. Uh, I, and I flew back, flew back for, the, um, for the last interview. And um, yeah, and I got to know a few of the directors at the time when they came over for the World Club Challenge in 2015 uh, when I was the GM at Super League. And, been really impressed with the professionalism of the club and, and what it stood for and so um, for me it was a really good opportunity. And so when was that Blake? When did you return? Uh, May 2016. Oh okay, so you missed out on the grand final? I did, yes, oh. yeah, yeah, so I missed out on the grand final. I, I, it's a funny story, I started on the Tuesday, we beat St George on the Thursday and lost the next nine straight so um, I remember sort of thinking, you know, my wife and daughter were still in the UK, they didn't come until September when the school year finished there and I was sort of thinking at times, oh, they might not even have to get here because we're losing so many games in a row, I might be gone before they get here. Well, that's that's an interesting topic, and just for my own personal edification for the moment as the chairman of the West Tigers, how much responsibility is there in the CEO when the team loses on the weekends? Just when I speak to Pasco tomorrow. Everyone bears responsibility, right? When you lose and win, that's one of the great things about working at the club compared to working at the governing body. When you're at the RFL or the NRL or Super League, you're just tied to putting on a good grand final. That's about as good as your season can get. But when you're riding the roller coaster, uh, a club and you win and it's great and everyone's happy for two days and then you get back into thinking about the next and then you lose and everyone's miserable for a couple of days and then they get back. It's such a um, roller coaster, but it's also a lot of fun when you win and it's also really challenging when you lose and everyone's got to work out what can we do to make sure the team wins next week. And well, I agree with the approach that we're all in it together and everyone yep. takes responsibility and the like, but I did make a comment last week that I didn't actually see the CEO out there on the field missing tackles and dropping balls and such. So I think people have to accept a certain level of responsibility to the extent that they can, but each of us have to play a part. Yeah, that's right. And I think everyone everyone plays a part and, and really the job of, I think, the administration is to make sure that the coaches and the players and everyone working in the football club have the best chance of winning on a weekend. That's our job. And when they get on the field, we clearly can't drop the ball or make tackles, but if we can put them in the best possible chance to win every week, well, we've done the job. From my uh, personal perspective as well, I noticed that the, the role of the CEO crosses all boundaries throughout the organisation, of course. I mean, you are involved and responsible for all of the operational matters. That not only includes the finances of the club, for example, recruitment, retention, staffing and the like. What areas do you, do you see as your strength, for example? Is it, is it more finance and business as such, or do you enjoy the recruitment and retention, the player involvement? How, how do you see your, your role made up? Well, I've been, I was really fortunate for pretty much the first four years. Um, Shane Richardson was our general manager of football, and it was a great opportunity to learn from him around the football department and the coaching, um, management, retention, recruitment, salary cap management. That was just a wonderful opportunity, one of the reasons I was so attracted to the job at South was to work and learn from Richo. So my experience with working in the football department or with the football department is only fairly fresh, but it's really exciting and it's good and we're very fortunate we've got great 
people in Mark Ellison, Brock Schaefer, Wayne, who are really experienced and know what they're doing. Probably if I had a it strength, it's, it's around the commercial side of the business and the stakeholder management. We're really lucky that we've got great partners, both from a commercial point of view, government and South Juniors, um, Keith and Luke at the Juniors. So we've got a lot of stakeholders to manage. I think um, I've got one strength, it's being able to try and make sure that they're all aligned, that we all know where we're going as a club. Do you enjoy the football part of the day, the association, the connection with the players and the playing group and the, and the like? Yeah, I do. In some ways, it's been weird. I, um, Richard left in April and I haven't seen a player since May since I went to the bubble, so I can't say I've been enjoying um, getting to know them very well because they've been uh, all secured away. But no, I do. At the end of the day, that's what we're here. As a sporting club, you're here to play as well as you can on the um, field and try and win premierships for your community members. And, um, so it's, it's exciting. And we do, I think, some pretty special stuff in rugby league that goes unnoticed. People or young men come to us um, looking for an opportunity to have a professional sporting career. Some of them come from great backgrounds, some of them come from really difficult backgrounds and what we try and do is help them get to a point where they can have a professional career and ideally buy a house, start a family and um, when they finish with that hopefully they're better people than they were when they went in or their opportunities at um, making a good life for themselves are better than what they were when they started with us at 16 or 17. So, that's pretty fulfilling when you think about it compared to most things and certainly I think probably compared to what my job would have been as a lawyer. You mentioned the bubble, it's posed a number of challenges of course for all NRL clubs, some more difficult than others, particularly those interstate we've had to relocate yep. entirely. The South have been very fortunate of course to the West Tigers as well that we haven't had to. But what particular challenges have faced South and yourself with respect to this pandemic and how have you dealt with it? The real challenge for us was in March when you would have been on those calls where there was a real fear that we weren't going to have a season at all and the catastrophic effect that would have had for uh, particularly our staff. We made a, probably a, a brutal decision at the outset to stand everyone down. We had a little bit of information that there'd be a JobKeeper type system come in so that would give us a bit of a safety net but we stood everyone down and sent the players home within two days of the competition being suspended and uh, my goal was to make that really brutal decision earlier and try and work back from there to get to a point where as many of our staff are back were employed full time as soon as we could get them back and we've done that so that was I think the biggest challenge for us was here we are in line we might have a season um, we've got a potential for 100 people to lose their jobs if we can't get back so the challenge is how do we get everyone back in a safe way and when we can keep them back and that's that's you know to be fair to the players and football staff who they're the ones who've made the sacrifices in their lifestyle. Now, from an operational perspective, there's been challenges as well. There's been the creation of the bubble. Yep. 50 or so people go into that. The rest have to remain outside. From my personal perspective, that's created the greatest challenge because there's a great disconnect between us and those. I mean, we can speak to them on the phone or on Zoom as often as you like, but you've lost that personal contact with the playing group and the coaching staff. Have you found that as well? Yeah, it's been quite difficult to maintain that relationship with the coaching staff and, and the other staff. I mean, strangely enough, there's a Woolworths across um, the road from Redfern Oval and people are allowed to go into the Woolworths but they can't come up to level four and, and meet the staff, which is a bit strange. But at the same way, it's we were pretty lucky with a partnership with Zoom for two years, so we were probably the, the business most set up to be able to use it and, and use it effectively. Um, but clearly nothing replaces the um, informal contact or just the opportunity to go and see someone face to face and have a discussion. So hopefully next year things will relax a little bit and we'll be able to have those mid zones with coaches and staff because like you said, it's very difficult to understand what's going on when you you, you can't have that face to face contact and all just just the sort of immediacy of all right, there's an issue that's also in the room and working out. 
It's a bit scary that we're sitting here in September and we're talking about next year. Yes. Things may or may not change, and if they do, they may or may not change significantly. Yeah, I think we all probably either fooled ourselves or just didn't think about this going beyond the 2020 season. I think when we set up these protocols, we all thought, oh, by September everything will be back to normal and people will be living a relatively normal life. And now we look around what's happening, and um, David Heslock gave us some um, information last week, and we think that one way or another there's going to be some form of protocols in place for the 21 season and there's going to be some form of bubble hopefully it's a bit um there's some relaxation of it so that guys and coaching staff and players can have a bit more of a normal life yeah i think many of us who are outside the bubble don't appreciate the challenges inside the bubble and of course we're dealing with young men in their 20s and old 30s for example in the prime of their lives who have been denied a social existence for the best part of this entire year yeah and i look at brock and mark ellison who are um, in their 30s and 40s mature guys and they're creaking a bit with it. So if you think they've lived a life and you know they're, they're mature guys and you think about an 18 or 19 year old who's going through this, how difficult it is for them and their mates are out starting to live a more normal life than they did before. And you know, we've got guys whose uh, kids play junior footy in our junior league and um, you know, they can't go and watch them play and the sort of photo them. Dan Gagai's son plays at the same club as my daughter and there was a photo on our website, of the club's website about Dante was the player of the week, and unfortunately, Dane can't come watch him, but he gets home and um, he's got the certificate. So, they're the sorts of sacrifices they're making, and we're all in great depth for that. Yeah. One of the things I think is a great credit to you and to the South Sydney Rogo organisation itself is the value that you put into corporate partnerships. Yep. And Brides Lawyers has enjoyed for a number of years now sponsorship of various NRL clubs and community groups and the like. And I can tell you from my perspective that we can't speak highly enough of South and the way that they value the corporate partnership and the way they treat corporate partners. And I think that's a, a flaw in some organisations in not understanding the importance of corporate partnerships and the like. It is a very competitive area. But a credit to all of those who work with the, the South Sydney Rovers, I, I won't mention them by name. But that's something of which you've got to be incredibly proud because you, you generate a lot of loyalty amongst your corporate partners. Yeah, we do. We work extremely hard at it. Shannon and Adam are a great team. We've got a real belief that for any business partnering with a sporting club has huge opportunities. There's an onus on the club to deliver a return on that investment. But sport's unique in um, the passion that members and fans have for the club. So, if you partner with a club immediately, you're aligned with something that people really love. Um, then what we tried to create at South is a real business-to-business -business network. If you're a partner of Rabbitohs, you're a partner of the other businesses who are partners with Rabbitohs. So we've really tried to create opportunities for businesses to do business together. And hopefully then that increases their um, loyalty to the club because they say, well, actually, I've invested this amount of money. I've got this much back. And it's all because of the attachment to the Rabbitohs. We're really proud of South Cares and our community department that they do some transformational work, particularly in Indigenous communities. And so um, if you're looking at sponsoring a club or a sporting organisation, you get that halo effect of a club that has a great community program, does great work. And then if you're looking for the sort of visibility that comes with um, being on TV all the time, um, well, you get that as well. So if you're looking to increase your profile, there's no greater opportunity than being on TV every Friday or Thursday night. And of course, with the pandemic, there are additional challenges out there with corporate partnerships and the like, and there's a recognition, of course, that it's, it's impacted on all of us. And that's what we try to be quite proactive with our partners. We've got a company like Pino who unfortunately suffered probably the worst as a result of the pandemic through no fault of their own. So we've had to try and come up with a way to solve all of those challenges and rebate to some partners who won't get the full value of the benefits. But I think what we try to do is make sure that the businesses that have supported us in this period, we're supporting them and ideally 
2021 is a little bit more normal and we'll go back to something new normality and um, everyone can continue to grow with us in the future season. Absolutely. Now, Bryden's Lawyers has been the law partner for South for a little while now. Yep. And it's a relationship, as I'll say, that we've enjoyed there very much. Where do you see the value added to South Sydney in having a law firm with such Bryden's Lawyers there as a corporate partner? Well, I think, firstly, from a personal perspective, I've used Bryden's a couple of times since um, the club's been partners with Bryden's and um, Celeste in your property team um, did a wonderful job with well, our first house in Australia uh, just over Christmas and Celeste was brilliant. I don't care if it's your first house or your hundredth house. It's a really stressful experience. It is. Recurring nightmares, going back to the sale of war, um, university. No, it's a long time ago. <laughs> it is, but it still, uh, I still get scared about that. So having someone like Celeste who was brilliant um, is really helpful. And I think for our members, they also, and our supporters feel the same way. Whenever they deal with bridens. Legal services is something that you're going to need at some point in your life. Personal injury, whether it's buying um, or selling a house, whether it's your own business, and to be able to come to a trusted partner like Brydens, who's also a trusted partner of those means a lot to both the businesses that support us and our fancy members. Now, you um, recently hosted the Sesame Golf Day. Yes. Down there at the coast. Yes. I played with you. Yes. Now, I don't want to embarrass you by telling our listeners how good I am yes. as a golfer, but uh, tell me about golf, something you enjoy. I do. I, Unfortunately, I don't get to play enough of it, but um, it's uh, a common complaint. It's a common complaint, I think, particularly amongst 20 administrators. It, it's a great opportunity to spend some time with um, colleagues or friends. We're very fortunate in South Sydney, we've got some beautiful golf courses down there, and we were lucky to be able to have a golf day at the coast. The season was, I think, our first corporate event that we hosted outside of the game day this year. So usually we're hosting two a month, and there we are, six months in or seven months into the season, hosting our first one. So. Very fortunate, very fortunate to play with you, Lee. You carried the oh, three of us uh, around the no, course. No, no, no. No, I, don't, no, no. I don't think we threatened the scoreboard at any stage, but it was a, it was a good opportunity to spend some time with people on a great day and at a great course. No, it's a fabulous yeah. event. And in fact, it's the only sport that people at our age can actually remain competitive in, thank you to the handicaps. That's, that's right. Yeah. And and I think the good thing about golf is, no matter how good or bad you are, when you're playing in something like a four-ball Ambrose, you're there to have a bit of fun. Absolutely. Um, it's all about a laugh, it's all about swapping stories, mm -hmm. talking about a bit of business and, and getting on with it. Now, unfortunately, Nick Pappas doesn't play. No, no. Nick's, Nick doesn't play golf, unfortunately. Uh, anyone on the board that does play? Uh, there's not too many golfers on our board. There's a few golfers in the management team and there's some very, very, very good golfers in our playing group. Unfortunately, they've played two weeks of golf in two months when mm -hmm. they're... Um, Precautions relaxed a bit, but uh, Dane Gagai, Adam Reynolds are outstanding golfers. Sam Burgess is also very, very good at golf. So we've got a crack golfing team in the squad, and I'm sure as soon as the season finishes and they're able to go and play, they'll be um, topping up. Blake, we are sitting here in uh, the middle of September. Yep. Uh, the Rabbitohs are entrenched in the top eight. It's really coming together for the team at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and, and that's a credit to Wayne, the coach and staff, and the players. We, you know, it certainly wasn't our plan to lose Sam, Greg, and John in a single season. And um, so we started the season with a very different roster than ones that have carried us to a lot of success in the past. We had some really talented young guys that we were hoping would step up and Wayne, Jason, Sam have created an environment I think where they have been able to and we're sitting six at the moment and hopefully we can host a home final and I think top four might just be out of reach but they've performed throughout the year and also the environment's been set by the coaching staff. Like as I said from the outset, the relationship between Brighton's lawyers and South Sydney Rabbitohs is one that we immensely enjoy and we value very much. Uh, we look forward to it continuing. It's been an incredible honour for me to have you here today. It's obvious you can hear from your voice how much you enjoy what you do and the passion that you have for the game. So from our perspective, we want to thank you for joining us with us today, but not only that, for actually establishing 
a friendship and a commercial relationship with Ride Tours. No, thank you, Lee. Look, thank you for personally uh, the help of the law firm provided me uh, over the years as a client, but also your extraordinary investment in the game. I know you're a partner of a number of um, clubs at NRL level, a number of clubs at Junior League level, and then also New South Wales. So that's an extraordinary investment in the sport, and we're very grateful for it. Well, thank you very much to Blake Solly and thank you to all for listening again to LawPod episode 29 and we'll hopefully have a very special guest for you again next week. But if there is any particular subject matter that you would like us to address, please email us directly at lawpod at bridens.com.au and follow us on all social media platforms, whether that be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. So until next week, it's goodbye for me.